This is the Come Follow Me podcast with Jaron Bunny. Each week, I'll get with a group of church members from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the Los Angeles area to discuss the Come Follow Me manual. I'm always thinking about, like, what does it mean to really help someone? Felt Christ taking the emotional burdens that I was bearing and put them on himself. Reading my scriptures every day, I see a huge difference. Their interpretations, feelings, and insights to help you study. Hey guys, what's going on? Uh, welcome to another episode. I'm super excited because I had Kim and Dave on and they're the best. We got to talk about the Good Samaritan. It was so much fun, so let's get started. All right, we're starting. Oh, look, it says I'm in Tito's Tacos right now. <laughs> I wish. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. All right, welcome to another Come Follow Me podcast episode. Hi, Jaren. <laughs> Hi, I have two special guests. What are your names? I'm Kim. Hi, I'm Dave. And I've known you guys for, oh, years. Too well, like almost five years for, with you, Kim. Yeah. First roommate, so that's a big deal. First and best. <laughs> <laughs> All downhill. Um, all right, so... Jaren and I have never been roommates. <laughs> no, we haven't. Not yet. Okay. But if we were, we were in the same ward at I'd one be, point. I'd be the best roommate. Sorry, Kim. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's debatable, but okay. All right, guys, we're in Matthew 18, Luke 10. <laughs> what should I do to inherit eternal? All right, anyway. First thoughts. Well, I guess just initial thoughts is there's a lot of stuff in these chapters. Like, yeah. you know, it's not just like one chapter about one thing. It's, you know, Jesus sort of goes into like four or five different things, like one after another. And it's all great stuff. He talks about forgiveness. There's the, uh, the Good Samaritan is in here. There's even like the parable of the lost sheep. Yeah. There's like so many things. There's even um, Mary and Martha yeah. is in yeah. here. That's probably, that's maybe one of the better, yeah. well, one of my favorite Favorite ones. ones? Yeah, I'm excited to get into that one. Section. Yeah. It's really a cornucopia. It kind of is, right? It's like a, yeah. a mixture yeah. of things. All right, so let's just start off with the first section, which is Matthew 18, 21 through 35. And it says, I must forgive others if I am to receive forgiveness from the Lord. And it talks about how Peter's suggestion that he could forgive someone seven times, or what was it, seven times seven, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, it's like 70 times seven. And how he was teaching not about numbers, but rather about a Christ-like attitude of forgiveness. And I really loved this quote that was linked to this. It says, um, David E. Sorison of the 70 taught, I would like to make it clear that forgiveness of sins should not be confused with tolerating evil. Although we must forgive a neighbor who injures us, we should still work constructively to prevent that injury from being repeated, Mm -hmm. which I really liked. You don't want someone just to like walk all over you and take advantage of you. And I think this is, I mean, it makes particular sense if you're in maybe relationships that are abusive or bad or, I mean, it's a, you you need to protect yourself from people who can harm you repeatedly, but there's also the expectation to forgive people like that in your life, but not to make yourself prone to further harm. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of um, also went into that. It says, see also forgiveness, gospel topics. And something I took away was it said, look for the good in others, which is like, I feel like a little bit easier to do than just be like, okay, I forgive you. Like sometimes I have to like 
Like I'm struggling with a forgiveness with a past roommate, not Kim. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm still trying to forgive you, Kim. No. It's funny that you should bring this up right now. Yeah. <laughs> we thought that you guys could work it, work it out on the podcast. On the podcast live. Yeah. You do mediation. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you've been oh invited. <laughs> could you <It's> imagine? <laughs> But no, it's been an interesting ride of just being like seeing the good in that person um, and kind of taking note of the good qualities, even if that person you feel like did you wrong. I don't know. Any thoughts? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts about this, but, um, you know, I feel like being a social worker has really helped me with this because I used to think of people in a little bit more simplistic terms, like they're good or they're bad based on what they do. But now I see every person is like their own little solar system. <laughs> and there's, you know, every everyone is so different and so complex and they got to where they are for many different reasons. And there's lots of different factors that go into that. So yeah. I feel like it's helped me to not judge people and to just kind of see what's going on and know that, I kind of just have to go with what I see and accept what I see because there's a lot of it that I wasn't there for that I don't understand that's that's causing them to do the things that they do. But that being said, I've also learned a lot about boundaries, which I feel like is maybe not something that we're always taught really well in the church, you know, like how, what do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, I just think with so much emphasis on serving and being Christ-like and, you know, it's almost like you could never do enough good things. Yeah. And I think you have to have boundaries for yourself so that you can maintain, like, a healthy place. But it's also good for other people. To have boundaries? Or for you to set boundaries? For you to set boundaries. It's good for the other person and it's good for you. Mm -hmm. You know, because... I don't know. I guess I was thinking about this in terms of forgiveness. Like, when I think about the times that I've been really hurt by someone else, if I don't set a boundary, they're going to repeatedly offend, right? And they're not going to learn how to not do that anymore. Right. And then I'm also going to be resentful. So that's not it's actually... like a cycle. It's like a bad cycle. Yeah. That's not actually being Christ-like. Christ wasn't a doormat, you know? Right. He wasn't a pushover. But I think sometimes the way we talk in the church, like, especially with women, sometimes we'll say... I don't know. We use language like, oh, she's so sweet, or yeah. oh, she's just always doing things. She just never stops doing things. And I think it's almost like we put those... We put those qualities on a pedestal, which is, it's good to have those qualities, but we don't talk enough about like, wow, that person like really has good boundaries or they really like, they know when to take care of themselves and to take care of other Others. people. Yeah. I don't know. Does that? Yeah. That makes sense to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dave has like, yeah, yeah, deep thought. <laughs> So can, yeah, is, uh, I'll help you out just seven times, <laughs> not seven times seventy. Put that Kim's limit on there. Boundaries <laughs> on her good works. I am. I'm sorry. I have a limit to my good. 
Now, I'm, I'm placing a scenario, and I think that's exactly what you're getting at. But that makes sense. I mean, like, you could, if you're not careful, and people can get, I think that's how sometimes people get burnt out. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. on callings and things, and yeah. they do so much, yeah. and they, you know, there's, um, there can be, like, a guilt factor, or at least a guilt, um, I don't know, like society is that what i'm trying to get at? just like or just like it's easy for us to feel guilty for not doing enough yeah yes. um but i think what you're saying is if i'm not mistaken that like you can be okay with like i need me time as well and, like I need to take time. some space yeah. on this and we're never gonna be perfect right yeah we're just not on this earth we're just not gonna be that way so it's hard sometimes as you look at christ as like the ultimate model of this like I wrote down, like, the Savior forgave them on the cross. Yeah. Like, that is, like, the ultimate forgiveness. Right. That some of us might never be able to get to that level. That's true. And, and I don't think we should use that as an excuse to not try. Yeah. But um, but you're right. We'll never in this life be able to forgive or do anything perfectly the way the Savior does. But Striving to be. Yeah, I think that's what's important yeah. about the church is it is it. You know, it gives us the opportunity to try and, and improve in all those things. Right. Yeah. But hopefully not wear ourselves out in, on the way. Yeah. Or run ourselves into um, emotional breakdowns. Right? <laughs> and to use the atonement. Yeah. Like that's the ultimate thing is to use the atonement. Okay. So there is that section. And then we can move on because, I, I mean, that was really good. And there's a lot of goodness in that section, but there's a lot of other main things. As you can see with my manual, it's all like... I know. I just want to point out that Jaren's manual is covered in notes. <laughs> and Jaren. they have like four words. <laughs> I'm just impressed. Good for you. Oh, Doing your homework. Doing my homework. Doing it. Um, okay, so Luke 10, 1 through 20. Mm-hmm. Who are the 70? I don't know why in my mind I forgot about the 70 in the scriptures. Yeah, it's funny because... You don't hear about them. You don't a lot hear about the them a lot. I don't yeah. think, but there is. I mean, there's Old Testament precedent here. They they cite Exodus and Numbers, and yeah, the Savior sent off seventies to assist the twelve and go basically act as like missionaries. Yeah, during the New Testament times, and we have seventies now organized in quorums, and um, they're here on the earth today. And okay, is this right? I don't know if this is wrong. I didn't look this up. Um, we don't have just like 70 men. There's no. like multiple quorums of the seventies, right? Yeah. There are actually eight quorums. There's two, so many people. It's a lot. Um, and even in the first quorum of the 70, I think there's more than 70 people. I always, okay. I would so, assume that it's 70 people, like the 12 or 12. Apostles. Yeah. And, and I think that might be how it initially started with Christ. Or even in the new t- or the old testament, okay. there might have been seventy. I don't know this for sure. Like yeah. in my, you know, short research on this, <laughs> I think I think original seventies were called that because there were seventy of them. But now it's it's an office in the priesthood, and so there's a first and second quorum of the seventy, and they're considered general authorities. They help they okay. direct they report directly to the twelve apostles, and they go worldwide to also serve as special witnesses of Christ. But yeah. there's also Area 70s. You probably heard that term. Right. So, And there are six quorums of those, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
Hey there, this is Editing Jaren. So me, Dave, and Kim, we just talked for so many minutes about the 70s and about how it was structured and who they report to, and it just went on for so many minutes, so I actually had to edit it out. But let me know if you want the unedited version. It's fun. We know a lot about the 70s, so... No, I just, I love the organization because I feel like, like, the world is so organized, like, the creation of life is so organized, that, of course, God's church would be organized. Yeah, well, and also, to me, it's another testament that, like, this is the reorganized church of Jesus Christ because this is something that he did and he established. Yeah, no other church has that organization. And I don't think it's just... Just to say we're doing it like that he did right. back then, you know. I, I really believe that there is a purpose and that they're needed. Um, and just to me, it's like, oh yeah, they they did this in the Old Testament and in the Savior's times, and now we do it again because it's an important task to like right. carry the gospel, tr- not just to Utah or California or the United States, but the whole, whole world. world. Yeah, oh, I love it. Okay. So then, yeah, so there's 70s. Okay, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cover that really well. Um, Luke 10, 25 through 37, to obtain eternal life, I must love God and love my neighbor as myself. This is what all my writing is in my manual. Okay. <laughs> so go ahead. Take it away, Take Jen. it away. Here I go. My Jan takes over. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And um, I'm just going to go first and talk about the story. So we got um, this man. (laughs) So a man is going to, um, from Jerusalem to Jericho. And then um, some thieves kind of hit him up on the road, wound him, leave him like half dead, it says. Yeah. And then a priest walks by, goes on the other side of the street, and just keeps walking. He passes him. Then a Levite, is that right? Yes. He um, also sees him, does the same thing. Passes by on the other side of the road. And then a Samaritan sees him and has compassion and actually, like, takes him into an inn and, like, helps with his wounds and takes care of him and tells the innkeeper, like, hey, like, whatever. Like, almost gives him, like, an open check. Like, whatever this guy needs. Like, yeah, he pays him for what he's done from then and says, whatever else you spend, I'll come back and pay you, pay you. Pay you more. Yeah. yeah. So that's so his tab is still open. The tab is still open. Yeah. So that's the story. And as I was reading it, my brother-in-law, shout out to my brother-in-law, Paul. What up, Paul? Today, he was like, um, if you're going to be talking about this story, you've got to read this Enzyme article from 2007. Mm-hmm. And it blew my mind okay okay here we go you ready for this jaren's okay. about to read the whole article <laughs> buckle up everyone we're just gonna put a link to the article yeah we'll put the link no 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 we're gonna read the whole thing <laughs> grab some herbal tea find a cozy place it's called read along the good samaritan forgotten symbols and so this guy he's like a BYU professor that he like shared this, um, insight at a BYU devotional mm-hmm. and he sees like a stained glass window and it's like the whole story of Adam and Eve. And then 
next to it, below it, is the story of the Good Samaritan, hmm. like shown in like pictures on the window. And he was like, that's interesting. Like, what does Adam and Eve have anything to do with the Good Samaritan? Right. Here we go. Okay. So <laughs> he goes on to talk, talk about it. And he's, he likens how it likens to Adam and Eve. And he says, okay, the man going down is likened to Adam because Adam, the word Adam means man or mankind or like the plural of men, which is all of us, right? And then Jerusalem is known to be for the Jews like paradise. The Garden of Eden. Garden of Eden, yeah. And then Jericho is, this was interesting, um... Jericho is the lowest city on earth. It's 825 feet below sea level. So you're going down to the world, basically. Right. Yeah, right? being cast out. You're being cast out. Yeah, going yeah. down. And um, the robbers are hostile powers. Yeah. Trials, things. The priest, okay, this the priest and the Levite, this I don't really understand as much, but the priest is the law of Moses and the Levite is the Old Testament prophets. Hey guys, this is Editing Jaren. To further clarify about the priests and the Levite, says the early Christian commenters all saw the priests as symbolizing the law of Moses. In their minds, the problem was not that bearers of the Old Testament priesthood did not want to help fallen man, but the law of Moses did not have the power to save him. Indeed, the law of Moses was only a type and shadow of the atonement that was yet to come not its full efficiency. So I hope that clarifies a little bit on why they thought that. And then the Samaritan is Christ. And the wounds are our disobedience. Hmm. Um, the in is um, those that accept and wish to enter into the church. The innkeeper would be church leaders. And the so the Samaritan promises he will return. That also is like the Savior's second coming. Hmm. Which I thought was so cool. That's interesting. I've never heard that. Uh, more things, insights from it. It was like, as a Samaritan is not from Judah, so Christ is not of this world. Which I thought was really cool. And Samaritans are part Jew. Like, Samaritans were interfaith yeah. people. So. So it says the Samaritans were descendants of Jews living in and Samaria Gentiles. who had intermarried with Gentiles. Right. So it's like God and the, God the Father and, and a human... Right, and the Jews felt that the Samaritans had become corrupted by their association with Gentiles and had apostatized. Jews would travel out of their way to avoid passing through Samaria. Oh, and then it said, like, he journeyed, like, the Samaritan had journeyed, and it's like until, like, he was looking for people to heal, which I thought was really cool, too. Mm. He was purposely, like, looking. And then in the end, in the article, he said, do you see yourself as the good Samaritan or as the innkeeper or as the traveler? That's cool because, I mean, we're so, I think traditionally we're supposed to align ourselves. Like, are we the, would we do with the Good Samaritan? Exactly. Does? Like, I had always thought about that, right. but I never thought about it in other perspectives. But could we also be the innkeeper? Could we also be... The traveler. The traveler. I mean, I think we're all the traveler sometimes, and we need Christ, the Good Samaritan, to heal us and to save us. And in the um, beginning of the story, like, the lawyer comes to Christ and says, like, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Mm-hmm. And in this article, it says it's like the good Samaritan. It teaches of the plan of salvation, the savior's atoning love and our journey towards eternal life all in like one story. That's why parables are cool. Isn't that so cool? 
Yeah, that is cool. Usually we tell that story and we, and you know, kind of have one version of it. Like, yeah. are you going to be, are you going to be the good Samaritan? By, yeah. Or? Yeah, exactly. That's all I've ever heard. So when I read this article, like, oh, this is cool. Cause like, maybe you're the innkeeper that's like, um, a church member or church leader that's like helping a new member learn the gospel and become one of the fold. Or maybe you're the traveler and you're trying to learn about Christ's atoning uh, sacrifice and love. Yeah. Like we should be able to, I mean, we could probably see ourselves in every role of that character. Yeah. And hopefully, I think the idea is that in any situation that you are in, you would behave like either the innkeeper or like the good Samaritan. You would learn that way and learn not to behave like the people that passed him up. Right. But but like it's cool because the, this whole thing came as a response to what should I do to inherit eternal life? Which yeah. I think is the name of the lesson, right? Yeah. So, I mean, this comes from like one of the priests asking Christ. Mm-hmm. And it says in the scripture to tempt him. He's almost like trying to, I don't know if he's trying to get like Jesus to trip I, him up or I something. I feel like he was trying to trip him up. That's what I, We don't know. How, I don't know how. Like, were you around when Jesus answers these other guys? Like, <laughs> didn't you learn you can't trick the Savior? It, and it was also showing at that time that like, you need to love everyone. Like you have to put aside these traditions that you have and he's sort of like calling them out for, um, maybe the way that they would treat Samaritans or yeah. common people or whoever, you know, but he was also giving a clue about eternal life. Yeah. Yeah. He's teaching the plan of salvation, Yeah, but also teaching how you should treat people at yeah. the same time. One thing also before we move on, that I took note is in, I mean, there's so many small details in the story, but like how the good Samaritan took care of him overnight. He didn't like, he like stayed with him throughout the dark times and the dark hours. And it, like, it was like, it wasn't like he just like took care of him and then was like, okay, I'm going to bounce. It's like he stayed for a while yeah. to care of him. Like That's he took- funny. I missed that in the reading, but I watched the video that was, Oh, you did. And it showed that, and I was like, "Did did he really stay with him overnight?" He and that was overnight. one of the more touching parts of, of at least the video that he sat there and just hung out with him until the morning. Yeah, made sure he was okay, even though he could have just dropped him off and walked away. Yeah, that was something I realized too. You know what's interesting about that is because I'm always thinking, like, since I'm in the helping profession, I'm always thinking about like what does it mean to really help someone, and I think that's really interesting because he could have, like you said, like he could have just bound up his wounds and then moved on because that was like the immediate need. Right. But the deeper need was probably that that guy was suffering emotionally. And so he decided that he was just going to be there with him. Just make make sure he doesn't die in the middle of the night. Yeah. Need something in the middle of the night. Yeah. And and maybe just so that he wasn't alone because he just had this kind of traumatic experience. Right. You know, I mean... I think it's easy to do like the big kind of more glamorous service. Oh, for sure. But sitting with someone when they're having a hard time, like really sitting in it with them is very hard and people don't like to do it most of the time because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Like mourning with those that mourn. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard for people to do and you just have to be a listener. (laughs) Like you just have to like sit there and help that individual um, emotionally sometimes. Yeah. And help when it's not 
necessarily convenient being for, yeah. with someone in yeah. the middle of the night. Yeah. In the dark hours, you know. Yeah. Symbolically. That's, that's cool insight. Point. Yeah. All right, we can move on. Anyways, okay, Luke 10, 38, 42. We choose that good part by making choices that lead to eternal life. So what is the story with Mary and Martha? Well, the, uh, I mean, to paraphrase the story, they were in Martha's house, I think. I think so. And yeah. um, Jesus is teaching, and Martha and Mary are sisters. Right. Right? And was and, it... And, well, Mary sits down to yes. listen to the Savior. And, and not, and, like, kind of, like, clean up. Right? There was, like, maybe serve things. food or serve do food. whatever. Yeah. You know, like, Martha was hosting. And she talked to the Savior. She's like, don't you think Mary should help me host? Yeah. And the Savior says, she's doing a good thing or doing the good part. And it, at, on the surface, it feels like a bit of, it feels like it might be a rebuking. Like, you should also listen to me. But I think what we're supposed to take away from this is that both women were doing good and doing good things. Like there's nothing wrong with serving people and serving the savior is <laughs> totally the, the best thing you can do. Um, but in that instance, there was another way to worship and another yeah. way to um, appreciate the savior. And I think Mary was doing that. And I think that maybe that what we can learn from that is that there's so many different ways to, to serve and to do things, but, can we recognize like something good that we might be doing? Are we doing something better. good? Yeah. Is there something better that we could be doing? Is there yeah. something, a better way we can serve the savior or serve those around us or, or whatever? Um, I like how the question is example, your schedule. Is there something yeah. needful that needs more of your attention? For sure. I'm like, like Oh yeah, of course. Totally. I mean, elder Oaks, Famously talks about good, better, and best. Yeah. Like just the ways you can spend your time. And he made a call back to that talk yeah. recently in this recent general conference. I like that. A call back. He did. He, he did a call back. <laughs> he did a call back. He quoted himself. <laughs> yeah. He threw it back. Yeah. He's like, I did a really good job on this one talk. I'm just going to bring it Yeah. He was like, you may recall a talk. <laughs> good, better, and best. It's probably like one of the most quoted talks in the history of John. It really, it is. really is. Because I think it was revolutionary at the time, and it still is yeah. a revolutionary way to think about opportunity costs. And yeah. Like, what you're doing right now is probably fine, but what are you missing out on? Yeah. And I think that's the lesson in the Martha and Mary, yeah. where she was doing good, but she was missing out on a rare opportunity that she just didn't see at the moment. Yeah. No, it's true. You don't see that... The Savior's she, there right now. She had no idea of knowing that the Savior probably wouldn't be there forever. You know, they didn't understand... They didn't understand that he was going to die. Right. Or the, Yeah. And so he talked about that and nobody understood. So in that instant, like, she could have been taking a rare opportunity to, to hear the gospel from the source. Right. Something I tell my Relief Society sisters, um, like, take this opportunity. You are single right now. You could be going to the temple. Look at all the many hours you have serving the Lord. You could fit in your schedule. You don't have kids right now. Mm -hmm. You don't have a spouse. Like you could be spending all this time and energy into building your testimony and building up the kingdom of God. Right. But we get so, I don't know, 
chaotic with our schedules and you feel like, no, this is the best time, best part of my life to spend time with my career right now or to, and like, yeah, you should be spending time with your career, but like you have so many hours in the day that you could actually be filling it with Christ. I almost wonder if I picture Martha, like just busily and quickly doing tasks, which were probably important and needed to get done. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about that story, it's kind of a reminder to me to slow down because if you go too fast, you miss things. Yeah. And I don't know. I've been like this week in my prayers, kind of like asking that I can see the things that I need to see as I was reading this because I get so busy especially living here, (laughs) like just trying to survive every day that I know that I miss things. Yeah. You know, and sometimes I have these moments where I feel like the spirit talks to me and I like wake up and I'm like, Oh, I'm missing stuff. Like there's, there's other things going on that I haven't been paying attention to because I've been so busy with things that are important, but aren't nearly as important as this other stuff. And so I have a lot of compassion for Martha Oh, yeah, because Martha is us. Yeah, I, like, see myself 100% in her. And I kind of wonder, like, what Mary was up to. Like, who, I don't, we don't know that much about her, but I wonder, like, how did she decide that she was going to do that? How did she know that that's what she needed to do? Yeah. Instead of being with Martha, you know, what was that relationship? Like, where was Mary coming from? Yeah. Because we don't know. It's true. Or maybe what allowed her to be able to do that. I don't know. They're just... Oh, one other thing that um, stood out through this scripture reading was Matthew 18, 1 through 11. Why would Jesus want us to become like a little child? What are some characteristics of children that would make us more Christ-like if we incorporate them in our lives? They're very trusting. Yeah. You know, I mean... It's kind of a scary thought that when you have kids, you're literally, like, shaping their entire world (laughs) by how you interact with them. But it really is amazing. They'll they'll repeatedly do the same things trying to get the response that they need until they get it. And they're so reliant on their caregiver that there's really, like, even if the caregiver is complete like neglectful or whatever they'll still keep going back trying to get what they need which I think is really interesting I don't know why I got off on that tangent no but but it reminds me kind of like our relationship with like God in ways yeah I just like we should be in that way the savior talks about needing to be like a child to inherit the kingdom of God and in that way, we need to be that reliant on yeah. our caregiver, our Heavenly Father. Yeah, it's like absolute reliance, like for your survival. Right. Yeah. I don't often think of my relationship with him that way because I've become so, I guess just through life, like I've had to learn to rely on myself a lot, you know, and I, I get kind of prideful sometimes, like, oh, I don't need to ask him about that because... I'm just doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. That's not, that's not what he wants us to do. That's where it's at. <laughs> the end. That's where it's going. The end. Um, well, that's the end of this uh, podcast. Oh, wow. Already? <laughs>
It's a great time. Any end thoughts? Was there any scriptures that you were like dying to talk about? Maybe like key things. No. I don't think so. I think we covered everything that stood out to me in the reading. Okay. Um, yeah. How'd you feel like studying it with the purpose of mind of having to do it with the podcast? Did I definitely it? felt like, oh, I need to pay attention. Like I, yeah. I read the chapters and often if I, I mean, I'm not the best at following the manual. Like yeah. I, I don't do it every week, but, um, when I do, I try to at least read those chapters and then I kind of read through the, um, Little just the points. notes. Yeah. And like, look at those questions. But this time I was like, I better know what Jaren's talking about. <laughs> I better, I better think of some stuff to say. Sometimes I'll read like the, um, like sometimes I'll link talks or like Bible dictionary. And that's always fun too, to get even deeper in it. Or like learning that enzyme, uh, talk was really cool. Because yeah. I'm like, whoa, I got something out of it that wasn't even in the manual. Right. But was really eye opening to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I just like this. I mean, I just like that we're asked to read the New Testament. Like so much of the church focus on scripture study is the Book of Mormon, which is fantastic. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like I believe that everyone should read from the Book of Mormon every single day. But I'm appreciating the opportunity to study the New Testament because it just reads so differently. I will say. I was a gospel doctrine teacher for a while and then still was when they made the change. And so it's been really interesting studying it for that purpose, but also personally, how much I feel like it actually helps you get to know Christ. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. In such a different way. Like, it's almost feels like magical to me, like how much more I'm connecting with who he is and who he was when he was on this earth. Instead of, you know, the way we were teaching it previously was almost just kind of felt more like a historical, yeah, a lot of historical information, which is fun with with principles interwoven, obviously, that would build your testimony. But this is different. Like, it's a completely different experience. And I don't know if I can even explain it, but I feel like when I, I'm not perfect at it, but like when I really take the time to study it, it tr- completely transforms my week. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I don't even really know how, but I definitely know it was inspired because yeah. doing this and studying it in this way and talking to people, yeah. my Sundays, I look forward to. They yeah. are a delight. There's something special about them. And, like, because I've done this for over a month now, I've learned so much about Christ and who he was and, like, the, like all these stories and now the Easter season I'm like I don't know it was different it was totally it was the most different experience this Easter week because I knew him more right it was cool but anyways thanks so much guys for doing the podcast thank you for having me yeah come back anytime